Hey, y'all, I'm going to take a second to give a quick shout out to the official mortgage lender of the Hunt Lift Deep podcast. That's Casey Burns of Prime Lending Mortgage. I've known Casey for 10 years and he's the only lender I use. I've used Casey to purchase two houses and the process has been seamless and easy each time. He's the heart of an educator and he truly cares about what's best for his clients. He specializes in VA loans, but can handle FHA conventional investment loans as well. He's a true expert and specialist in his field, and there's no one I recommend more than Casey. You can contact Casey at casey.burns at primelending.com. Reach him by phone at 919-710-1864. You can also check out all his reviews at www.closewithkc.com. Thanks, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Hunt, Lift, Eat podcast brought to you by Hunt, Lift, Eat Official. My name is Carter McKenzie, and we're running with a special crew this week. We've got some of the women of HLE joining us this week, uh, coming on for an awesome conversation here. So, uh, yeah, real quick introductions because we're spread to the four corners of the earth right now. So we're going to start off with uh, Mrs. HLE herself, Caroline Cox. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Carter. How are you? Oh, so good. We were so just good. talking before we hit record. I'm yes. in the midst of potty training a two-year-old, and you're in the midst of weaning a, a little one. Yes, uh, lots of uh, sleepless nights around here. <laughs> Heck yeah, I love it. So we got to squeeze these podcasts in when we can. Yeah, yeah. In between your cleanup and uh, my nap time. That's right. That's right. Making it work, right? You hear that, Luke? We're making it work here. <laughs> All right, going around the horn. The one and only, let's see, the, the silver slayer herself, Sarah Oates, coming from <laughs> Alaska. What's up, Sarah? Good morning. It's morning here. Day's halfway over down here. <laughs> I'm excited to be on here. Thanks for having me. Heck yeah. I'm uh, really jealous. I just want to give a quick middle finger to, to Bobby for getting Sarah on the podcast before me. Uh, <laughs> kind of offended about that, but we'll let it slide. Yeah, we've only been trying to get Sarah on here for like six months, so let's <laughs> take it right. a little personally. That's right, for sure. Sorry, Carter and, uh, and Caroline. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. And then we have one of our new team members. We have Bailey Emery coming at us from? Missouri. Missouri, the great state of Missouri. More like misery. I love but it. Whatever you want to say. <laughs> <laughs> Heck yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And, uh, you know, Bailey, big shout out to you. Um, first of all, we're stoked to have you on the team and get you on your first inaugural podcast here. Yeah, I'm excited. And uh, yeah, absolutely. We're stoked to have you. And, you know, big shout out to you for jumping right in and kind of driving this this podcast and, and making it happen. The one that we've been talking about for eight months now that we've been wanting to make happen. And hopefully this becomes a series that I phase out of and, and someone rises to the occasion too. looking at you, Caroline. Actually, you don't have any free time, so we'll see. Oh, yeah. When would you like me to do this podcast? Fair enough, fair enough. I take it back. Nobody fair will enough. get their orders if I start a podcast. That's right. Yeah, very valid point. All right. Somebody else out there, rise to the occasion. But we're talking uh, women in the outdoors this week. And uh, we have you know three phenomenal individuals on here to talk about that topic. And I mean, let's just jump right into it, right? So, I mean, as far as... I mean, there's a lot to unpack here, right? So I'll, I kind of want to start like at at the beginning, like where where did outdoors become introduced to y'all and, you know, who introduced you to the outdoors and, you know, what was that like kind of growing up or later in life? So for me, I grew up um, right outside of the Smokies um, in East Tennessee. Um, my grandparents lived on a lake and my grandpa was... Um, a bass fisherman. He uh, competed in competitions and did all that kind of stuff. Um, and that was kind of our sanctuary as children. Like we went um, to my grandparents' house for our vacations when we had weekends. Um, and my grandpa always took us fishing. Um, always, always, always. So I, I don't have a memory of my first time fishing because I had been fishing since I was so young. Um, I do remember my first rod. It was a Minnie Mouse rod and it just had the button that you push down and like you fling it, you know? Um, I love that. I bought Emmy her first uh, fishing rod this summer up in Canada and it's a, it's Moana themed and we love it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it gets the job done, right? Like I, I caught some big fish on that thing. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, so I, I just kind of always grew up fishing. Um, and then with being right outside of the Smokies, I did a ton of camping, um, hiking in the Smokies. Um, I grew up on a horse farm, so we were very outdoorsy in, in that, that we were always out taking care of the horses, riding horses. Um, there was always work to be done there. Um, but I didn't really get into hunting until later in life. Um, I dated guys that hunted and I always sat in the blinds with them, went on hunts with them, but it wasn't until I married Luke. Um, and he really encouraged me to become the hunter and not just the person sitting in the blind with the hunter, um, that I got to start doing that. So it's been a gradual process with my outdoorsiness. Um, always been outdoorsy, but it just keeps becoming more and more of a passion. So, yeah, I could totally agree with that. Um, for the longest time, like from when I was little, I was always outside. We had a lake house down at Stockton Lake, which isn't too far from here. Always fishing, always camping. And then I didn't start hunting till maybe three years ago. So I'm still very new, but I have always fished. Fishing is like one of my first loves. <laughs> That's for sure. But I didn't shoot my first deer till two years ago. Like the first year I thought, I was like, oh, I can go do this by myself. No, I got humbled real fast. So <laughs> so I was born in Fairbanks, Alaska and grew up in Anchorage. And when we were three or when I was three, not we, when I was three and we moved to Anchorage, um, I caught my first trout with a Snoopy rod. Mine was a yellow Snoopy rod. My sister had a red DuckTales one. And um, and my parents loved to tell the story of uh, of how I walked home. We were we lived right next to a lake, Cheney Lake at the time. How I walked home and I had the two rainbows in my hands. And by the time we got home, they were the shape of Coke bottles because I was squeezing them so tight. I was so excited. Um but I didn't really do a whole lot of salmon fishing until I was an adult. The place where my dad fished for sockeye was a is a pretty dangerous river and not a great place to bring kids. I don't know why he didn't fish the Kenai for sockeye, but I really started fishing for sockeye as an adult um, when I moved back to Alaska in my 20s, early 20s, which was actually a long time ago. Um, and then for I did catch a king when I was nine. I caught my first king. It was 31 and a half pounds. I got a picture of that somewhere uh, on the Kenai back when you could actually fish for kings on the Kenai. As far as hunting goes, I really only did uh, bird hunting as a kid. I shot my first grouse, uh, spruce grouse, when I was, I think, seven with a 20 gauge out with my dad. And uh, then we went ptarmigan hunting when I was younger but my dad and I kind of drifted when I became a teenager. We weren't super good friends anymore. <laughs> and so I really didn't do much outdoorsy stuff in my teens for that reason. Um, but when I moved back to Alaska again in my early 20s, my dad and I finally uh, started going hunting together again. And I shot my first moose in 2012. And since then, I've continued hunting uh, with my husband and now my kids and fishing, of course. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And it's it's really interesting. All three of you kind of had your introduction to like the hunting world through fishing, right? All three of y'all just said like that was kind of like the intro. And that's what it was for me too, not to make this about me, but I was also like, I don't know how old you are, Bailey, but I'm 29 and I didn't kill my first year until my freshman year of college. So like, I didn't grow up with anybody teaching me how to hunt, but I did grow up with the fishing side as well. So that's interesting. Um, how did y'all gain like, Sarah, you were kind of just thrust into it, but like interest and like inspiration into not just the outdoors, but like, how did that transition into, you know, what became hunting? Cause like we know once it's introduced, like there's definitely a right way and a wrong way to like introduce something as massive as hunting. Right. Cause it can easily sway the other way. And I think about like, how am I going to do this with my daughter? Like I think about it every single day. Right. So like, how do you turn that interest in like inspiration to like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, I, I am a hunter now. Uh, and then turn it into that, that passion. Like where did y'all find kind of that threshold? For me, um, my, I grew up in a family of biologists. My dad was a 
ornithologist, bird biologist. And then my mom's brothers and dad were all biologists and stuff. And so there was always that like love of biology and animals in the natural world. And, um, and I also was a total daddy's girl until high school. And so everything my dad did, I wanted to emulate. And I think just my parents were really good about exposing me to that stuff. Um, my dad, again, he got us the, the little Snoopy and DuckTales rods and he would set up like garden hoses and different things around our backyard. And we would practice casting in the backyard and trying to catch the garden hose and he would make games out of it. And, and he, and my parents were really good about um, introducing it to me both at a young age and also in a way that was at my level at that age, instead of trying to get me to go straight to, uh, you know, catching a king salmon at three years old. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. Right. And so and also teaching us the love and respect for the animals that was always instilled in me in a very young age. Um, because like we were by, we are biologists, we love animals, whatever, making sure that it wasn't a thing where, oh my gosh, you're killing an animal and now your kid is terrified. Um, you know, helping us to understand, like being thankful. We thank the animal, uh, whenever we kill it. And, um, we have this tradition of putting its favorite food in its mouth. Like for a moose, we would put uh, willow, um, in its mouth after we kill it and then just spend some time like thanking it. And appreciating it. And so I think just like lots of exposure, making sure that the exposure that you're giving um, is age appropriate and and coming up with activities that are also that make it fun for your kids. So they're not just like, what the heck am I doing? And I could talk more about that, like um, on the hunting side of things, because bringing two little kids into a two week moose hunt in the middle of nowhere was we had to come up with some interesting activities. So. That's my recommendation for introducing it at a young age. Yeah, my my uh, experience is similar, but also very different. My family is not biologists at all. <laughs> um, but, you know, as I said, my grandpa was a fisherman. My dad and my uncle fished all the time. Um, and I wanted to be with them. And so just being outside with them and fishing with them made you feel special and created that love. You know, they, they're more excited when you catch a fish than they are when they catch a fish. So then you feel proud and excited and it just, it sparks your love for that kind of thing. Um, and I don't, as far as just being outside, I don't know. I feel like that's just kind of, a, I don't know that you can teach that. I think some people just have it and some people don't. My son Barrett just turned one and being outside is his happy place. Like when we are having the worst days and he's screaming and I've tried a bath and I've tried reading books and he won't nap and I can walk out on the front porch and he just stops. And he's been that way since he was born. Um, he just loves being outside. He loves looking at things outside. And so part of me thinks that that's just kind of something that you have or you don't. Um, with hunting, my experience is a little bit different. Um, and Carter, I'm sure you're not hoping that this happens anytime soon for your girls. But I didn't fall in love with hunting until I fell in love with Luke. Um, and part of that was because we got to share that experience together and it wasn't just sitting there bored watching somebody else hunt. It was us stalking the animals together and us researching things together and him teaching me things and it strengthened our bond. And I think that's why I fell in love with hunting and wanted more of that. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I love that. And that's kind of like, kind of the most visceral and like human kind of relation that you can have with an activity. Right. And like, you know, that goes both ways, both sides of the street, but like that makes total sense. And that could be one with the, the person you love or like, you know, like Sarah was talking about, that could be with one of your kids. Like you can do it together, right. Do it with somebody like through love, love being the bond and then your love for the activity too. Right. I, I love that. Well, and even more so now, like, you know, the food that we harvest, we're feeding our son. And so I think it's really cool to be able to know where Barrett's food came from and to know that, like, this activity that 
brought me and his dad closer together is now nourishing our son's body. Like it's just all the way around a really cool experience now. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't have any kids or anything. I'm only 22. I'm a baby. Um, but I've always been a daddy's girl. I'd always go fishing with my dad. My mom was never that big of a fisher. Um, I mean, she'd tag along, but she just was there to enjoy the outside. Uh, but like I started catfishing when I was like five. You figured I'd start on crappie or something, but <laughs> we went straight to catfishing. And then I went spoon billing after I turned like 13. I don't know if you know what a spoon bill is. If you saw my Facebook picture, but a big old prehistoric dinosaur. It's a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. That is an awesome picture. <laughs> it is. It was huge. I literally thought I was going to like rip his gills because I literally could not hold him. So when you say, when you say catfishing, are you talking about like the noodling? Like when you stick your arm mm-hmm. in there? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just like, oh, you're not so talking you about catfishing like the All show. Right. Yeah. Just like <laughs> along on the banks. And it's scary. I mean, you're sticking your arm in a hole and you don't even know what's in there. It could be a snapping turtle in there. And I mean, they have teeth. People think they don't, but they'll literally slice your arm up if you're not careful. Like you just got to like. And you were doing this at what age? Five. <laughs> That's rad. <laughs> There's catfish bigger than five-year-old. Oh, yeah. My dad would just hold me, though. He'd just oh. hold me. So when I got him, he'd just drag me out. It's just, I love that. it's insane. Spoon billing's probably my favorite, though. Probably my favorite. If you guys ever come to Missouri, I'll take you. <laughs> but it's, it's a work. I would just add that one of the challenges in introducing to the introducing hunting and fishing to the kids that, that I think we're going to experience is we're really fortunate to have a cabin on the Kenai where fishing is easy. Like it's easy to catch fish. We, the first time we took out the kids on a hunt that they could remember, I took my daughter, we took my daughter on a moose hunt when she was 10 months old. So she doesn't remember that. But the first hunt that we took them on that they remember, we got a 49 inch bull. And I think what's going to be challenging for us is making sure that our kids enjoy the experience when you aren't successful in a harvest. Because as you guys know, there's a lot more of that, um, a lot more unsuccessful attempts than there are successful ones. We've just been really fortunate. And so again, like when you're introducing, if you're introducing at a young age or whatever age, making sure that, that for the kids, that there's other things, activities that they can do that they enjoy aside from just the actual harvest itself. Um, but like Caroline said, some people either have it or they don't. It's like with sheep hunting, you go sheep hunting and and people will either never do it again or they're addicted, right? Because it's hell. So that's just my contribution. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And Bailey, you said, you know, this is a recent endeavor for you. And like, as a young woman and a young woman on the HLE team, also, Sarah used to call me the baby of the team, so I'm really glad you're here. So that's awesome. Thanks for taking that burden off. You're of welcome. Me. Um, yeah, but like as like a young woman venturing into this like relatively recently, how has that step or taking that leap, um, specifically from a female perspective, how how has that been for you? Uh, honestly, since I started, I think it's helped a lot more with me overcoming things because at first I was like super intimid- intimidated. Like, you know, people think it's only like a guy's sport doing it. And so females don't want to ask. They don't want to ask for help. They're like, they just don't, they just won't. (laughs) I was the same way. I was like, I don't want to ask for help. I'm just going to do it by myself. And so I went out to my grandpa's farm and went and hunted. And he's like, you're not going to have anybody go with you? And I was like, no, I'm going to do it myself. And I had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) And so didn't get anything, humbled myself. And I was like, okay, maybe I should ask for help. So I started asking for help, getting pointers, all this kind of stuff, how to set up food plots, how to set up cameras, all sorts of stuff. And so that helped a lot. And especially just in today's world, just asking for help with anything. Yeah, I'll say, even though I grew up with hunting and fishing in my family and in my blood, um, when I, when I fir- shot my first moose in 2012 with my dad, I was 26. And that was a really cool experience because we did all of the things. Like it wasn't him taking over. He was teaching me and I was learning and I was really fortunate in that regard. We, but we did all the things together. But even, th- even with that, when I shot my second moose last fall, 
Um, it was the end of a long day. We had butchered another moose just hours before. And so everybody was pretty tired. And I shot my moose at like 745 at night. So the light was, the sun was going down and we had very limited light. And so the guys who I was hunting with, cause I've never hunted with women before. It's always been with guys and the guys who I was hunting with like jumped in and took over all the butchering. And I was kind of like watching the kids and doing the typical like female thing, even though I grew up as an Alaskan hunter. And so the intimidation factor, I feel like is always there. And I'll say that that's one of the number one reasons why I was really stoked about joining HLE because Hunt, Lift, Eat is an opportunity for people who are like everyday hunters of all different skill levels um, and all different experiences to, to really like educate, form a network and, and, and get other people excited and have that source of information. Alaska's got other resources, which I want to touch on later, but, but I'm just so stoked for what HLE can provide for women, especially who have, have been, um, scared or intimidated to get into hunting or fishing or even lifting, um, because it's been so male dominant and they don't really, there's, you know, they don't really know who to turn to. That's a great kind of segue into the challenges that I faced. Um, for me, it was trying to find my place in the outdoor community. Um, and I felt criticism coming from every single angle. Um, as awful as it is, especially with the hunting and fishing community, because I am female, um, it's kind of just one of those things that no matter how how much experience you have or which path you choose to take, there's there is a man that thinks that he can do it better and he is going to tell you that he can do it better. And um, like an example of this, there's a girl I, I follow on Instagram, um, Alexandra Templeton, and she is like a third or fourth generation cattle farmer. She uh, works with her dad, and I mean she she kicks ass. Like she's out there every single day. She's pregnant right now and she's still out there doing all of this stuff with her dad. Um, she's a huge hunter. She bow hunts, rifle hunts. Um, she's even, I don't know if she worked with Sitka or if she's just taken pictures in their, in their gear and they've used it, but she has been a model for Sitka, um, killed some monster bucks and she posted a video of herself practicing with her bow. And then shortly after posted a picture of all of the guys that were in her inbox telling her how she was doing it wrong. And it's just like, what? what? Like, first off, who are you? Nobody's heard of you. I mean, so what, you know, okay, sorry. Let me, I'm getting heated. <laughs> and it's just like that with everything, you know, there, um, there's criticism from every angle when women are in the outdoors, you know, there are the girls that like to go fishing in their bikinis and they get criticism, their horse, all they want's attention. Um, but then you have the opposite. There's women sitting in the deer stand that haven't showered in three weeks and they're disgusting who would want to hunt with them. Like, you know, it's, there's never, a win for us. Um, never. <laughs> so that for me has been my biggest challenge is that I feel like from every angle, no matter what, I'm going to be criticized. Um, and Sarah, like you said, HLE is a great place um, to kind of come into, you know, we're accepting of all of that. We have a little bit of all of that on the team. Um, but yeah, for, for me, that's been what's been a challenge. I could see, obviously it's a, it's a perspective that I will never be able to fully understand, right? It's, it's something I'm never going to be able to experience as an individual. And it's really important, I think, which is why I think this podcast is so important for men to understand and just to hear and, and listen to exactly what y'all are saying, right? It's so important. And I may not have, sh sure, I was aware, I was raised by a house full of women and a, a strong mother. And, uh, you know, my dad was always traveling and my mom did it all. And I had two sisters and I may have been a little more privy to acknowledging and understanding my mom's like strong opinions about things, but I probably wasn't super aware or in tune, I guess, to the topic 
uh, about the barriers that y'all face in the outdoors world. And it's certainly not limited to the outdoors world, but the hunting industry until I had my daughter, because the last thing I want is for her to be, you know, proud of being a hunter and, and hunting and, you know, being successful. And for her, maybe if she posts something on social media, if a dude tells her that she did it wrong, when I think of that scenario, I like, like you, Caroline, like I get, I get fired up about that conversation that obviously I'm fabricating in my head, but like it enrages me. Right. I never want her to have to experience that. So, um, yeah, I think what you guys are saying is really important. And it's such a, such a common thing too. Like it's so little, I mean, no matter what, like if you wear makeup to go hunting, somebody's going to comment on it. Um, there are, there are podcasts entire podcasts of men, famous hunters talking about women wearing makeup while they're hunting. Um, and that's just ridiculous to me. Cause when was the last time you heard females talking about what men wear when they go hunting? Like, why does it matter? I'll also say what I see is some major challenges for women and in getting into hunting and in the outdoors are first of all, um, up until very recently, especially with HLE, and even still, the the other women who we have been able to look up to uh, to try to learn from and emulate are often inacceptable or inaccessible. Excuse me, like the Eva Shockies of the world. I mean, the people who you see on TV. There are so few women on TV, and the ones who are, you can't access them. Um, another thing is this: this is prevalent not only in outdoors, but any male dominated thing, I have experienced this a lot as a female executive is a lot of women view other women as competition and wanting to be, you know, wanting to be the only woman who's good at doing this or who does this. And so, and so instead of wanting to help other women and educate other women and, um, and empower each other to, to rise together they, uh, you know, they look down at them or talk down at them and view them as competition, which I think really sucks. And so, um, so I think HLE, again, like I said, I'm going to plug the shit out of you guys, is a great opportunity for women to empower other women. And I absolutely love that. And I think it's essential. Um, and then the third thing is uh, lack of resources and information that is specifically targeted to women. So I feel extremely fortunate because in Alaska, our state has invested in this program um, through ADF&G, Alaska Department of Fish and Game, or um, that's called BO, Becoming an Outdoors Woman. And they hold seminars and classes that are for only for women and teaching them how to do things like butcher an animal, shoot a bow. Um, I've taken a couple of their classes. They also do an annual event that's called Shotguns and Stilettos. Um, and so they've invested in teaching women how to do things. And if you don't have those programs in your states, I highly recommend that you reach out to your uh, local regulatory authority and start like planting that seed and being like, hey, look at what Alaska does. We want more educated, responsible women hunters. Um, can you guys start looking into doing something like this? And if they don't, then like, let's do it as HLE. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great idea. I love it. You you spearhead that one, okay? In all my free time, I will. Yeah. No, I think I would love to work on that together. I mean, you and I, Caroline, when I first came on, we were spitballing some ideas, or maybe it was in my interview. We were spitballing some ideas for, like, holding workshops around the state that are, or, I mean, excuse me, around the country um, that are targeted for women. And, I mean, even if, even if it's just having, like, one event per year or a couple of events per year that are for women where we have a bunch of different workshops and it's, like, a multi day thing. And I, I think that would be really invaluable and inviting women of all different skill levels and having women teach the workshops. I can tell you that there is a women's HLE trip in the works. Um, and I think that that would be a great place to start planning a workshop to open up to women that you know aren't necessarily on the HLE team. Um, I think that's a great idea because, I mean, like you said, there's so many challenges that we face and women are so competitive with each other and that's not how it should be. Um, we can't expect men to not criticize us if we're criticizing each other. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Like, there's just so much girl on girl hate, and I don't understand it. Like, I really don't. I, you know, you just see it in daily life, and you're like, why? Why do? You, why does that bother you so, so much? I don't. I've never understood that, and I've never been that way. I just in the hunting world, I feel like that shouldn't be a thing. I feel like everybody should want to help each other, male or female. I'm gonna be real honest. I. I'm, I was guilty of that up until recently. Um, specifically, the the women that post pictures of them shooting their bows and their bikinis, and I'm sitting here like, girl, psh, you've clearly never like actually gone hunting because if you're wearing that bikini in the woods, you're going to get some stuff, some places that you do not want that stuff. Um, but it, I mean, just recently, I've kind of been like, you know what? Like, if she wants to wear that bikini and shoot her bow, more power to her because she looks amazing doing it. And if she does go hunting in that bikini, she's a lot tougher than I am because, you know, she's got some bites and some poison in places that, and that I couldn't handle that. So <laughs> you kill me, Caroline. And to that point, like along the same lines, even without like gender specific in the hunting world, you know, hunters can be our own worst enemies, right? Already. And, you know, the barrier just from like an East Coast guy trying to go hunt out West, there's already a barrier there because there's plenty of folks in Wyoming and Montana and Colorado who don't want, you know, everybody from Georgia coming out there to go hunt their elk or whatever. Uh, and that, that hate can be hunter on hunter, you know, in any online forum that I, I, I've experienced. And numerous amounts of times, right? And, you know, sometimes you got to take a step back and, and look at like, hey, what's the what's the common goal here, right? Like everybody, we should be pushing all in the same direction, right? Everybody should be supporting each other and wanting to include and, uh, and, and promote and share. Why would we limit that in, in any form or scope? I agree with that. And, you know, as, as an Alaskan hunter where we're not shooting, you know, white tails that are 30 in an acre. Um, that's obviously an exaggeration, but, but we do have limited game up here. And so it is easy to be one of the people who's like, Oh, I don't want these non-residents coming into my state. These, you know, it's a very limited resource here. And so it can be easy to have that mentality, but the reality is we're going to have non-resident hunters who are coming up here regardless. And, we need that. We need that money. That brings a lot of money into our state to help with wildlife conservation and game management. Um, that's essential for our state. Those funds are. And so the way that I try to think about it, um, which I have to check myself, like you, Caroline, like I've had to check myself on on things and not being judgmental or whatever, um, is would I rather have somebody who's educated and cares about the wildlife and about, you know, doing things correctly and taking all the meat and, and learning and having the same respect for Alaska wildlife as I do and making sure that they're, you know, keeping our wild places wild and not leaving all their shit everywhere and turning my state into a dump. Um, would I rather like help uh, foster that and being a, a great experience and great community and having responsible people come into my state? Or do I just want to be like, screw you, I don't want you in my state. And then they just you know, bring whatever bad habits or misinformation or lack of information that they have into my state. I'd rather have people, you know, have a good experience and then walk away having the respect for the animals in my state um, than, than otherwise. That's kind of how I try to look at it. Would all of you agree that at some point you felt, and I, I have debated this word over the last couple hours. I'm not sure if it's the right word or not. Have you ever, would you all agree that you felt at certain points in the hunting world or with your journey through hunting that you felt like marginalized or that it's a, that it's an all boys club or, you know, exclusive or that there's a, there's certainly a barrier there. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Every fall when I'm the only girl at deer camp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a huge challenge because even, you know, if I am participating in the hunt, I'm usually not a part. 
let me rewind. Not necessarily. So with Luke's deer camp out at the hunting cabin, Carter, you've been, um, it's like a, it's a weekend thing. All the guys hang out at the cabin. Everybody sleeps out there. Everybody's disgusting and smells bad. And you cook over the fire and, and I show up and it's like, well, obviously I'm not going to be sleeping here with all of you guys. Um, cause first off there's like three guys on one couch as it is. Um, and there's like some other dude in bed with my husband. So like, I, you know, like it's just not really, nah, I'll just drive the 15 minutes back to my in-laws house and stay there. Um, but what, like, why, why, why do I do that? Is it because I don't feel welcomed or is it because I don't want to, you know, like, and I think it's a little bit of both. Um, because obviously Luke's not going to be able to like pal around and say some of the things that he might say with his buddies. If his wife is sitting there, like, and like, I'm a cool wife. I let him like say some stupid shit, but even still, I don't want to restrict his fun, you know, like, um, and are the other guys that don't know me as well going to be comfortable enough to say the things that they would want to say and do the things that they would want to do, um, with a female sitting there. And so even if I am participating in the hunt that weekend, I miss out on a lot of deer camp or I miss out on a lot of the like bonding and, you know, messing around. Um, and it makes you feel left out because then you show up the next day and your husband ran over your dog and you missed all of it. <laughs> that was an accident. That was an accident. He was fine. <laughs> also, we weren't supposed to tell you. How'd you find out? I walked, okay, so I walked up the next morning and John looks Luke dead in the eye and goes, so we're not telling Caroline, right? <laughs> I'm like, you know I have ears, right? Like, what? It's, a, it's definitely weird. Like, sometimes you feel out of place because there's just so, it's male dominant in the sport. It really is. And so... You're just kind of like trying to find your place half the time and you're like, okay, well, do I do this or do I do this? Do I just go by myself or do I try to find females to go with, which has been my struggle because all of my friends don't hunt. They don't want to, never had an interest, but I'm like, in my head, I'm like, what if something happened to where you would have to fend for yourself? I don't know why I think like that, but I do. But I'm like, what would you do? I'm like, you don't want to learn at least something. I feel like you should know at least a little bit. That's, that's just my opinion. I feel like you should know at least a little bit about hunting, even if you are like super into it, just know a little bit to where if something had happened, you would know what to do. Bailey, I'll tell you, if you ever are in Alaska, you have to have that mindset because even just hiking here, hikers get lost and they die, um, on simple hikes. And and so you've got to, I mean, it's so essential to have at least basic fundamental outdoor survival knowledge. I'll say that I've been pretty fortunate, again, to have hunted with um, my dad and then my husband a lot and to where I've been really, you know, an equal. And even when I've been learning things, I've never been in those situations. I was never looked down upon or marginalized. However, I will say at, again, at hunting camp last year, there were three men and then me and our, and then my two kids who were five and four at the time. And, uh, when it actually came to harvesting the animal, I kind of felt like the guys were like, we're going to butcher the animal, even though it was my animal. And I will say I also kind of had the responsibility to step up and be like, this is my moose. I'm going to butcher it. And I kind of stepped back and was, you know, taking care of the kids and stuff who were super tired because it was late and it was in the middle of a tussock field, which if you guys don't know what tussocks are, Google it. They're, it's the worst shit ever. Um, there were giant grassy mounds that could be anywhere from like eight inches tall to 18 inches tall. And you get no stability. They're right next to each other and walking through it. I mean, they're ankle breakers. They're horrible. So we're butchering this moose in the middle of a tussock field that you can't really walk around it. Um, 
And so I get like, they had more experience with butchering. I had only butchered one large game animal before and it was uh, nine years prior, but, um, but I still kind of felt like they called the shots and I was sitting in the back seat. And, um, but I, but I also feel like if I had said something and been like, no, this is important to me to actually be a part of this, that they would have been like, yeah, get in there. You know, so it's it, some of it's our own responsibility, but I feel like as women, because of what, because it is a male dominated thing, it's easy to just, it's, it's harder to, to, you know, speak up sometimes. I agree. Um, especially when there's children involved because women do, or, you know, often are the caretakers um, for those children. Um and like you said, when the men are more experienced and you're more experienced with the children, it's a lot easier to just kind of fall into place. Um, but I think it's so important, especially when the children are there, that the women are treated as equals. Because if we don't do that, then Sage is going to grow up thinking that she's going to take care of her kids while her husband butchers her, you know, like, and Carter, your girls are going to grow up thinking that, you know, they sit back while the men do the work. Um, you know, we have so many badass women on this team and we're adding more every single day. Um, ch children as well. I mean, look, sh shout out to Caleb and Allie. They had a beautiful baby girl last night. Um, and we really just need to work hard to make sure that women feel accepted and feel important in this community. I will say that while I felt that way, my Wes had recently uh, retorn his ACL, like literally the day before we were supposed to leave for that hunt. And uh, so he had a knee brace on and he was limited in what he was able to do as far as um, as far as scouting for moose and, you know, putting on a stock and that kind of thing, which we didn't actually have to put on a stock in that hunt. But um, but he, there were numerous times I went out with the other two guys with our packs and we went, you know, out for the entire day looking for moose. And Wes was the one who stayed back with the kids and did activities with them and hi Barrett <laughs> um, and did activities with them and kept the kids busy. So while during the actual butchering, I was, I was, um, you know, tending to the kids some while also kind of being like backup and and pulling on a hind quarter as hard as I could while they were cut, while the guys were cutting. Um, I took more of a backseat in that role, but Wes actually took more of the parenting backseat role and other aspects of that hunt, which I thought was really freaking cool. And I hope mo more men will like step up and be like, Hey women, you step up. It's your time to shine. You've got this and I'll be here as your backup if you need help. Going back to when you were uh, caring for your kids and like the men took over your butchering for the, your moose. Uh, when I shot my first doe, my grandpa and my dad were like, oh, we'll do it. Don't worry about it. And I was like, no, I want to do it. And he's like, but you don't know how. I said, I'll learn. I'll figure it out. And I did. I butchered the whole doe by itself. I cut everything up, all the roast. I grinded all the meat. I did everything myself. And my dad's like, well, how did you do that? I said, well, there's a thing called YouTube if you don't know how. I was like, but I didn't want you to do it. I shot it. So I wanted to do it. So I think that's important too. I love that. My first moose, like I said, my dad and I butchered together and I'm not, YouTube wasn't as big of a thing back then. Cause again, that was many years ago and I'm old. No, you're dating yourself, um, Sarah. But <laughs> I am, but, um, but we did it together and we had to take, my dad and I had to take turns because the moose that I had shot, my first moose was a fork bull and he was partnered up with a cow. And we assumed that it was a cow that he was like, you know, interested in. Oh no, it was his mom. She charged us repeatedly for six hours while we butchered him. And <laughs> so that was intimidating. That was really kind of terrifying. But my dad and I had to take turns for doing butchering while the other one uh, was posted up with a 12 gauge, making sure that we weren't about to get charged by a cow. But kudos to you, Bailey. I mean, I think that's, I was just gonna say, I think that's awesome. Like use resources. I th I hope there are more resources out there 
like YouTube videos for showing how to butcher. Um, I'm more of a hands-on learner and I'm not really great at emulating things that I see on YouTube, but that's rad. I hope more women will step up like that. Go ahead, Carter. Sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think the communication aspect is really important from, you know, as a man being privy to this conversation, as a husband, as a father, as whatever, a dude in his 20s, like, I think it's really important, really applicable. And, you know, when you're in those situations, like it's your moose, Sarah, be or like Caroline at deer camp or Bailey after your first doe, like, I would just say to any dude listening to this, like, be cognizant of the conversations that need to be had or, you know, things that need to be said to encourage and support. And it doesn't have to be like, doesn't have to be like, Oh, that's your deer. Like you figure it out. It can very much be like, Hey, let's do this together. Right. Uh, but not like, you know, Hey, I'm going to do this for you, but it's a conversation that needs to be heard and it needs to be, we need to be aware of it. Like as a dude, like, that's something I could definitely be more aware of. Like, I don't want anybody steamrolling my daughter whenever she's getting into the outdoors. And I want her to advocate for herself. I think that's really important as well. Um, you know, but that's just, I guess, my call to action to any guys hunting with with women or women in deer camp. Uh, it's, it's important to be cognizant of. I, I would, I think the communication comment is super essential something that I have never done or that I didn't do during my last hunt that I wish I had did was to set clear expectations at the beginning. So have the conversation on the front end for women who are listening. Um, if you're about to go out on a hunt with other men and you're the only woman, or even if you're not the only woman, um, have the, if you're about to go hunt with other men, have that conversation before the hunt begins on, Hey, if I shoot this animal, this is the part that this is the role that I want to play throughout this hunt. I want to be, I want to participate in the butchering, or maybe you don't, maybe you don't want to take the lead on the butchering. Maybe you want to learn and just be like, Hey, I want to, I don't know what I'm doing. So I want to participate, but I want you to take the lead and help me and teach me, but I don't want you to take, do it all. I want you to teach me. And men, here's my call to action for you. Number one, if the woman isn't having that conversation with you on the front end, have that conversation on the front end um, before you go out in the field um, and be like, hey, what do you how do you want to participate in this? What are your expectations? And if they're like, no, I just want to sit back and not do anything. Encourage them. Don't intimidate them, but encourage them to learn so that they can be more uh, self-sustaining. And and I think it's a lot harder to have those conversations when you're in the moment, when you've when you've, you know, dropped that animal, you know, time is of the essence. Usually there's a, there's a, a time component where you need to get that animal cooling off as soon as possible. Right. So like people are like, okay, we got to go, we got to get moving. And it's natural for men to jump in and be like, I've done this before. I knew what I know what I'm doing and take the lead role. But if they know beforehand that the woman wants to take a lead role or take a learning role, that way those expectations are already set on the forefront and you're not trying to figure that out when you're in a time crunch. Bailey, what do you think about that? No. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, like I didn't have that. Cause when I went with my dad, I didn't have that conversation with him. I was just like so excited to go out there. And then when I did shoot my first doe, you know, my heart about jumped out of my chest cause I was so damn excited. Um, but then we got back and he already wanted to start going. He's like, Oh, we got this. And I was like, no, let me do it. I'll figure it out some way or another. And I'm very, like, I don't want somebody to show me how to do something. I want to learn how to do it. So that's where the asking comes into play again, like asking for help. But I didn't want to ask for help at that time. I wanted to learn to do it myself just because it was my first dough. And it's something I feel like you should do, at least with one animal you shoot. Like, try to do it all yourself and to go through that and to see uh, just how you can, how fast you can get it done or how, how, uh, what am I trying to say? I can't even think of the word, <laughs> but yeah, how, like how efficient, efficient you can do it. There you go. My brain wasn't working. <laughs> I know that one of the other challenges I, I think one of the reasons why I didn't really jump in last fall, um, was because I can be a perfectionist and I'm scared to fail. 
And I think a lot of the women who have decided to go into hunting or go into outdoors are maybe kind of the same way where they don't want to fail. They're afraid that if they um, do something wrong, that they'll be judged because we're so used to being judged when it comes to hunting in the outdoors. And so there's, so that it's our, our own fear of failure adds to the intimidation factor. And I think that was a big part of the reason why I kind of took a back seat was because I didn't want to screw up, especially when I knew that we were going to be butchering this animal in the dark. I didn't want to screw up and extend the timeline and have everybody be pissed at me. <laughs> yeah, that's really important. And I think an important thing, like you were saying, like set expectations, like early on when you're having that conversation, uh, like hunting is failure. I mean, largely that's, that's what the majority of hunting is in, you know, you can quantify that however you want. Uh, it's not always a failure if you don't kill an animal, right? There's other forms of success, right? But you know, when you're discussing like expectations, I think that's really important. You're not going to be good at everything right off the rip. Right. And I would consider myself somewhat experienced and I'm still terrible at a lot of things in the outdoors. And I think like what you just said, Sarah, is like really important to understand, like the learning curve is, is steep and there's skills that can always be, you know, uh, sharp, sharpened and, and improved upon. And, you know, to Caroline's point earlier, like men on social media who are, you know, telling this girl how to shoot her bow or what she's doing incorrectly, right? Like all those jabronis like probably suck at shooting their bows. You know what I mean? Like, where is that even coming from? Like, are you guys all experts in the field? Like archery is something that no one is ever going to perfect. So I think that's really important as well. Yeah, I think everybody knows by now, Carter, that learning how to better fillet a sockeye is definitely on your to-do list. Um, and <laughs> you knew if I was only I had crap. a strong female Sarah there to help me learn how to do it because I didn't know what I was I've doing. Butchered, right? I've done hack jobs on plenty of salmon. <laughs> yep. Yep. Caroline's back. Yes, I'm outside now. As mentioned earlier, when the baby won't stop screaming, we go outside. Yes. You wanted to contribute something to the whole conversation or communication. We were talking about communication and you had raised your hand. Yeah, you uh, had mentioned, you know, like the communication is really important um, when you go into a hunt. And Carter had said, um, you know, expectation management is important. And I agree, you know, with, with my first year, I had no idea what I was doing. And, uh, you know, Luke was there and he did. And so I will say he did the majority of the butchering, um, but it wasn't like he took over and did it. He taught me how to do it, um, which I think is super important. Yeah, I love that. When, when you were away with Barrett, we were also talking about, you know, fear of failure and trying to take every experience as an opportunity to learn. And I know after I, I really tried to kind of debrief after every hunt or after every outdoor experience or fish every, after every time I fish and be like, okay, what is something, what are skills that I want to better fine tune or learn more about so that I can be more independent in my next hunt or so that I can be better in my next um, adventure. And um, there's a lot there's, I mean, I'm 36 years old and have a number of years of hunting a third of my life hunting or more. And yet still every single time there's a lot that I want to improve upon and learn more about. Yeah. I feel like there's definitely always something to learn no matter like how many years experience you have or whatever it is. I feel like you can learn something every single day, no matter what it is. And I think that people should recognize that too. Just be like, oh, well, I already know how to do this. And be like, well, there's always more to learn to that trait, I feel like. Absolutely. That goes for everybody, you know, male, female. Um, you can be an expert at something and there's still something you don't know, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's something everybody needs to, humility is really important when it comes to hunting. Um, I feel like that's where the most growth is going to happen. And uh, yeah, 
dudes, take a step back, be more cognizant of your, your surroundings and your female counterparts in the, in the space. Um, but you know, we're rolling up on an hour here despite technical difficulties and Caroline pushing through with, uh, not a fussy baby, but a opinionated Barrett this afternoon. Uh, I kind of, you know, obviously we need a part two here, right? There's a lot more to unpack. So we're going to have to plan a part two, but like one last, like one really important topic that I wanted to hear from all y'all is like, I guess, like, what is your call to action? Like, how do y'all, or how do you want to encourage other women, you know, to get into this space, to get into the hunting sphere, right? Because obviously y'all are, y'all are still here and you're not going anywhere, right? You're a part of it because you love it and you're passionate about it. So how do y'all want to, or how do you encourage, or what would you say to any woman listening to this particular episode? I think it's kind of what we've been talking about, right? I mean, uh, supporting each other instead of judging each other and kind of demanding our space, not demanding is a strong word. Um, taking up space, you know, um, being out there and doing it, whether we're being criticized for it or not. Um, and, you know, just pushing through, like the babies are crying, the, the kids are demanding time, just do it, you know? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) No, I agree. And definitely with the events deal, like if we do a all females event, especially with new females that even haven't hunted before, I feel like they can come in and actually see it for themselves and maybe that'll spark an interest inside of them. So I think that would also help a lot too. Yeah. I think if we, uh, just on the events topic, I think if we do an event that's like gets people from all over the country to come and participate and really encourage those participants to then take on a female leadership role in their own communities, take that information back to their own states and really try to act as leaders. I want to say a couple of things. First of all, I think that with social media in for everybody, it, the, the tendency is to put like all your perfectionism and all the good things on social media, right. And to make it seem so flawless and so easy. I've been guilty of that many times. And I think making ourselves more relatable will help a lot. So putting stuff out there on social media about the hardships that we experience. So we were talking about earlier before we started recording. I have a bladder surgery in November because I have pushed two kids out and it messed my stuff up. And and so one of the things that I've had to experience is like, how do I not pee my pants while I'm hunting? And that's been a really humbling um, frustrating thing for me is hunting and lift and, and lifting, um, that men don't necessarily have to deal with. That was really hard. I've cried over that numerous times. Um, and talking about the things that are hard, like this is hard. I, yes, I shot this animal and I have some really cool pictures of me holding up a 49 inch bull, but there was a lot of shit and hell that I went through. Sorry for my language not sorry, um, in order to get there. And it definitely wasn't perfect. And there are things about that story that, um, that I'm not like, I, I am embarrassed that I didn't step up and do more in the butchering. I wish I had. And like, and making ourselves more real, like we're real people and we experience hardships too. And talking about our challenges, but also encouraging other women being like, Hey, this is the stuff that I experienced. Um, if you guys want to get into hunting, like it wasn't, yes, I had resources and family that other people don't have, but if you want to get into hunting, I'll talk to you about it. If you've never done anything before, if you've never stepped foot in a hunting camp before, if you've never shot a rifle or never shot a bow or never done any of this before and you don't know shit, there's a lot of stuff that I don't know, but I'm willing to teach you everything that I know. Um, and I'll also connect you with other people who are good resources who could teach both of us together more things that we don't know. So making ourselves approachable, relatable, and also um, offering to teach other people what we know, I think are big things that I really want to be better about and do more of. What about you, Bailey? What do you think? Um, No, I totally agree. I think uh, just events and then having females just ask for help or just putting even just a video out there on whether it's Facebook or Instagram and allowing females to ask you for help or if you're interested, anything like that. 
I feel like we should do something like that. I feel like that'd be awesome, especially just for the female industry. Cause a lot, like I said, a lot of females don't know how to ask or who to ask. So I feel like if you put something out there, then I feel like you'll get a lot more females that want to actually be involved. Yeah, I think, Carter, I definitely think we need to have a part two, if not an, an entire series. And um, I think it'd be great if we do some like lead up to the part two where we put some, we make an opportunity for women or just people in general, anybody in general to ask questions beforehand on um, for us to answer or to address on the podcast that are like, what women specific things do we need to think about before going into the field? For example, oh shit, I'm on my period while I'm hunting. What do I do? And I'm on a two week hunting trip in the middle of nowhere. How do I handle that? Or, you know, various other things, footwear and stuff for women, hunting gear for women. Yeah. Nursing mom, like different challenges that women face um, because a lot of like packs, hunting packs, that's been one of my biggest challenges is finding a hunting pack that isn't so wide on the shoulders that I can't use it. So I'd love to have some like scoping questions um, or some like lead up questions for our next one where we're answering questions that other women who either aren't in the industry yet or are involved um, have for us. I love that. And that's, you know, that's going to be our final call to action here. That's exactly what we're going to do. That's a fantastic idea. So what we're going to do, this one's going to come out when this episode comes out on Thursday and everybody listens to it, we will put on the Hot Lifty uh, podcast on Instagram. We'll open up questions for listeners and, you know, anybody, men, women, whatever, come drop your questions for episode two of Women in the Outdoors. Um, and and y'all are going to Y'all are going to captain this this whole question episode. And I think that's a fantastic idea. Um, so we'll open that up for questions and and push it that way. So if you have any questions, hit us up um, and we'll be sure to answer all those because I think that's fantastic, right? We have a beautiful resource here with Hunt, Lift, Eat. Uh, and we have added so many awesome women from all across the country uh, and, you know, other continents, right? Which is kind of cool or other countries and, and you know, it's unlimited amounts of, of knowledge here. And let's share that. Let's spread that. That's fantastic. So where let's go around the horn here. Where can listeners find you guys on social media? If they have any immediate questions that they want to reach out to you about or hit you up with questions that maybe want to be answered on the podcast. Let's start, let's start with you, Caroline, where can we find you? Uh, my Instagram is at Caroline C A R O L I N E. L Cox C O X. Awesome. What about you, Sarah? My Instagram is at hunt.fish.lift.alaska. And yes, that was pre HLE days. So hunt.fish.lift.alaska. Yep. You know exactly what you're getting with that one. And what about you, Bailey? Uh, mine is at Bailey, B-A-Y-L-E-E underscore Emery, E-M-E-R-Y 42. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you ladies for jumping on here and making this happen. Bailey, thanks for being the, you know, the catalyst to, to make this happen. <laughs> we're, we're stoked to have you on the team and have you be a part of uh, this awesome push. I think this message is, is really important. Um, do y'all have any closing thoughts before we jump off here? I, I just want to say, first of all, welcome, Bailey. Thanks for re-energizing this topic. There was a flurry of discussion about this months ago that fizzled out. So thanks for bringing this back. This is such a big, important topic. And um, thanks, Caroline, for being for spearheading women of HLE. You're a freaking badass, and I adore you. And, um, and then the other suggestion that I might have is maybe we should have a women of HLE Instagram page. Just saying. You going to start it? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> there it I'll is. coordinate with Caroline. All right. Perfect. <laughs> Caroline, I know you got a baby bouncing on your hip. You got any closing thoughts for us? Or does Barrett have any closing thoughts for us? And seriously, if any other women out there want, or or men who want to know how to like encourage their women who maybe have a little bit of interest but are intimidated or just say they don't know how or don't know where to begin, feel free to reach out. I won't have all the answers by any means, but 
I'll tell you what I know. Would love to chat with any other women or uh, or anybody about getting into hunting, not just women, anybody. No, I totally second that. Just ask any of us for any information and we'll be happy, happy to give it to you. Um, I'm going to have to be quick because my baby's still screaming. We've got a cold. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But um, I agree with kind of what everybody else has said. I am in no way, shape or form an expert. Um, But if you have any questions, I'm here. I'm happy to answer them. If I don't have the answer, I'll find one for you. HLE is an open door. Um, Come on. Come on. I love it. Well, uh, once again, I appreciate the heck out of you guys come jumping on here. And listeners, we appreciate the hell out of y'all. And uh, yeah, definitely check out this episode when it comes out. This is going to be a good one. I'm like fired up. I feel like I could take over the world right now. So listeners, we appreciate the hell out of you guys. And we'll talk to you next week.